Inside Out Group podcast, where we're going to talk about organizational leadership, systems, marketing, and more for your church or organization. Our goal is to help you transform your culture from the inside out. Today, we are going to be talking about turning a church or organization around from the inside. So you have myself, Nathan Westfall, as your co-host, and you also have Michael Moore with us. Howdy. So the first question, and we covered this at the end of episode one, is for the purpose of this podcast, uh, how do you define as the inside? Yeah, so uh, I think that it's important to understand that whenever it comes to organizational health, that you always need to start on the inside of stuff. And so a lot of times churches, uh, actually we'll get to the outside in, in, in a minute, but what we mean by the inside is both twofold. Both is your heart. Uh, and your posture and your relationship with God towards your your venture that he's giving you and tasked you with. And then also uh, having the systems and procedures and stuff in place on the inside of the organization before you start worrying about the outside of it. So really the inside is everything behind the scenes that no one sees. So even though we're focusing on the inside first, can you explain now what the outside is? Because we're going to get there eventually in terms of organization. Yeah, totally. So the outside is basically the things that people see. Everything from marketing to how uh, church service or gathering would would be programmed out to kids ministry um, towards um, your website. All of that stuff is kind of what people see on the outside. And the outside, the danger is, is a lot of times leaders can focus on the outside and not focusing on the inside. And so they'll see an influx of people coming into the church or an influx of new customers or whatever it may be. And they don't have the systems and the stuff on the inside uh, kind of figured out and wired out. And ultimately it ends up imploding on itself because they put all their attention on the outside. And so you can have a great outside, but if you have a weak inside, it's going to implode. But if you have a great inside, um, then you can focus on the outside and you'll have the systems and stuff in place to be able to manage the growth that hopefully you'll see. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So when it comes to changing a culture, attracting a new guest, why should you always focus on the inside of the organization instead of the outside? So um, I, I think that we can talk about this from our own experience a little bit is there was a period, obviously there was a few years where we were kind of uh, learning as everything went, went about, but uh, whenever we started to see the cultural changes in the church that ultimately brought the, the growth that, that we've ended up seeing here at City Church, uh, we, we did not focus on the outside, we focused on the inside. Um, and, and the reason the reason being is is simply because we knew that if we were going to have 40 new people walk through the door uh, in a given month and we didn't have an assimilation system in place, we didn't have groups in place, we didn't have mature leaders who could help disciple these people that ultimately it would end up uh, hurting us as, as a church. And you, re- you may remember back in the day, we saw a bunch of young people come in um, and we had no leaders. Mm-hmm. And what was that like? <laughs> I think, uh, I think I gotta, yeah, I remember that we had a whole bunch of, cause that was our outreach for a while. Right. I mean, we're the, the guys in a bar where, you know, uh, Albany is a big college in, in New York around Albany. We have, um, what else we have? We have Hudson Valley, Albany, Sienna, Sage, yep, RBI, all, yeah, you name it. Yeah. All the big ones that you've kind of heard of, or if you haven't heard of, there's a, there's some number I'm trying to blank out yeah. right? the, the, the statistic of it. Yeah, so there's there are 26 universities or college within a 30 mile radius of Albany, and they make up a good 
population of what's there because there's yeah. a lot of rented housing that's just for college students down. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the so the residents in Albany is around ninety eight thousand, right yeah. under a hundred thousand. But then that doesn't count the additional eighty thousand students that are in. I knew it was almost double. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. literally almost double as the college population for Albany. Yep. So we have you know that whole demographic that we were obviously trying to go after, and for them to come in um, is good. It's good because that's who we're marketing to. That's that's who we want. Um, but at the same time, it was hard uh, without leaders because we were still working on our inside. So there wasn't, I would say, a clear direction. There wasn't a clear who's in charge. We were all working on you know what our culture should be. Why should we attract new people? But we were all kind of at the same time on a Sunday doing our own thing. Yeah. And, and some of the things that we did is we, first off us being in a bar at the beginning was very attractional to a non-church person or even a de-church person. Unintentionally. That was like an outside thing from day one. Yeah. Yeah. And that was not on purpose. It was exactly, it was kind of accidental, uh, literally just kind of fell into our laps. Uh, and so we had a lot of people who would come in and uh, check out the church and they would like the worship. They would like the preaching. And then they would say, so what's next? And we didn't have anything in place. It was like, come to a Bible study at my house on Wednesday nights. And, and, and I remember there being, you know, 30 people crammed in this apartment and us trying to study the right. scripture. And we're dealing with atheist and agnostic and Buddhist and then really mature Christians who are set in their faith. And it just it ended up turning into a huge mess because there was no process for assimilating people. Right. Right. Um, no, I think that's good. I think that's a good way to put it in terms of we got people in the door. We knew our culture. We knew how to advertise it, but there was just, yeah, I wouldn't even say there was a lack of leadership. There was just no next steps. We didn't have that path to find out to like hold your hand and walk you through it. Yeah, totally. And, and it was one of those things, uh, my coach for a while, Chad, I remember the, one of the first conversations we had with him, he introduced to me the funnel, which is something that we've now adopted. Uh, and essentially if you have a piece of paper or if you're driving, just kind of think about this in your head is, is a funnel starts with a, a wide opening and slowly gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And even scripturally, um, it, you know, it says narrow is the path for those. I believe it's in Matthew seven, narrow is the path or, or narrow is the gate. Narrow is the path to the gate. I should have my Bible yeah. right now, right? This is horrible. <laughs> but, uh, but, and so we realized it, our, our mission uh, and our goal is not to have big attendance on Sunday. Our mission and our goal is to create disciples who are mature disciples and who are discipling other people. And if you're if you're pastoring your church, if you're uh, starting a church plant, I, I think that that's crucial to understand that numbers are great. Numbers make you feel good. You should count numbers. You can look at numbers, um, get excited about it. But but that isn't the end all be all. You can have. Uh, great numbers, but if you're not making disciples out of that, then ultimately you're not fulfilling the mandate that Christ lays on us in Matthew 28. And that mm-hmm. one I do know, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. And and so uh, that's that's really what it was with us is is we had we had people coming in, but we did not have the systems in place to be able to mature people in their relationship and grow people in their relationship with Christ. And so that's where we shifted our focus from the outside, uh, which I personally think that the outside looked really good, but the inside did not. And so we shifted our focus from uh, how can we market better 
to how can we get internally more unity on a team, more discipleship pathways, uh, a clear next step, clear assimilation for people who are coming in. Yeah. So I think you're already hitting this, right? So we obviously hit the outside first. We should have been focused on the inside, kind of setting the foundation for what we're going to do. What are some practical steps or practical things someone can do to start uh, working on the inside? Yeah, I would say do this even from day one. Like uh, for for us, we sat down, it was 2.30 in the morning. Uh, you mentioned this last time, but it was 2.30 in the morning and we were uh, dreaming on a napkin in Denny's. And and it was uh, literally, I, I have that napkin that's you know seven plus years old now hanging in my office just to remind me that um, don't despise small beginnings, right? But uh, whenever we really started shifting and focusing on the inside of things, we really took our mission statement, which we had, and we started breaking it down. And, and so who are we trying to reach in our mission statement? What's the end goal in our mission statement? And I think it's important to understand that a mission statement is different from a vision. Our vision is to, is to see literally the city transform with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our vision is to, is to reach 5,000 people. Our mission is though the mandate that God's given us that fuels the vision that ultimately he's given us. And so we spent a lot of time uh, working on our mission, redefining it, uh, and we didn't tweak a whole lot, but uh, the words we did tweak, we actually added words to it, helped define where we were going more. And then everyone on the team also understood from the conversations what the words actually meant. So uh, to lead people who are far from God, um, far from God. Well, what does far from God mean? Uh, and we can, all say, we can all say we've all been far from God at, at, at some point. Yes, that's true. But for us specifically to, to lead people who are unchurched or de-churched, who do not have a relationship with Christ, to lead them into a growing relationship. And so that was that's one thing, is really defining your mission. The other is um, defining your values. And so this is something we talked about last week uh, we sat around and, and actually we're right now in a series in it at the church, but our, our values of being gospel centered, a gospel centered community. So what does that look like whenever, if I'm new to the church and I want to know the values and I ask someone on the host team or I ask a leader in the church, can they tell me what a gospel centered community united in loving God and one another really means? And so really defining that. And that, I mean, that was a brutal brutal process. And it was, and, and hear me out, if you're listening, it was not overnight. If you're wanting to, to put some stuff down on a paper and not get buy-in from people, you're, you're, you're cheapskating the process and you're not going to see the effect and the change that you want to see. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's serious stuff you're dealing with. You, we were even talking even today, actually, your message was you guys spent an entire board meeting on one word. Yes. Not even a major word like, Oh, should we say Christ? Should we say Jesus? Tell them the words. What was so, it? N. I N. Yeah. <laughs> we literally we literally spent two hours and uh and so so the statement is we are a gospel centered community united in loving God and one another and uh the question was do we put the word in or do we put the word by um B Y and and we literally debated for two plus hours. We got in the car and my wife Christy was like, That was the worst meeting ever. We talked about one word, uh, but really out of that meeting came an understanding that we are united in loving God and one another. We are united from a place of position that love 
uh, has given us through God because, you know, First uh, John 4 talks about God is love. And so we can't love if we don't know who God is. So it is a place of position. Ephesians chapter 5, um, you know, Paul addresses us as children of God and then says to walk in love. Um, and so we are united in loving God and one another, not by. And the reason we went with in over by is because by ultimately is us trying to obtain something from God whenever we've already been given that through the cross. That's good. And those are the type type of questions and scenarios you're going to come across when you start as a church defining your mission, totally. your vision, your values. It's those small contextual differences that really makes the difference when you have to go uh, explain it to your leaders, explain it to your congregation. Do you want to make sure that there isn't any gray area there? I mean, there were probably didn't think about when you first wrote it, but since you guys spent so much time on that word, there's not a doubt in your mind, the eight core leaders of the church that came up with that, that they now know why we chose that word and set it for everything else. There was not a gray area there in terms of, oh, I thought it meant this. It's, this is what it meant. And yeah, yeah, most definitely. And, and, you know, you mentioned eight key leaders, like, and like we were saying, this wasn't three or four people around the table. This is eight, maybe 10 at times, uh, leaders just gathering around dreaming Bibles open concordances open uh, I, I mean discussing and talking this through that if if we want to be a church that's unlike any other church in this area and and I just want to say this the only thing that defines your church if you're if you're a Jesus preaching church different from another church is going to be your culture that's it we all believe, for the most part, the same things. Um, I think we could all agree with the Nicene Creed. We can all agree that Jesus died, rose again, was the propitiation, which I love that word, the propitiation for our <laughs> sins. Um, and and so the only thing that's going to separate you from ABC Church down the road is going to be the culture that you have as a church community. And so it's about six to eight leaders. That's another practical step. Get six, eight, 10, 12 leaders. I would not go more than 12. I would even venture out to stay closer to the eight mark because the more the more you have the more it, there's kind of this point where it just turns into confusion instead of productivity yeah. yep. um and then and then with that uh make a statement with each one and craig rochelle talks about this in one of his podcasts but with your core values uh what is this actually what what does this look like you know um so those are those are some of the the first steps i would say with changing the culture from the inside out that's good. So now that we defined the culture on the inside, you know, we had our core leaders sit down. We spent all this time figuring it out. How do we start uh, enforcing this in the church, maybe rolling it out? You know, what would the rollout process be? You know, I just defined all these new values, this mission, this vision. Um, you know, how would I start portraying this to my team and then to the rest of the church? You know? Yeah. So anytime you can get buy in from people, that's good. And so we started out with our core leaders. We'll say eight leaders. I don't remember the precise number. We got buy-in from them. They obviously talked to their family, talked to their friends in the church. And so word started getting out that things were changing. And then we just slowly started dropping some hints here and there. And we built it up to a series that we, we ended up calling the Creed. And whenever we did the Creed series, you know, three and a half years ago, maybe four years ago now, um, we, we unrolled this out and we broke it apart through a sermon series uh, with, with, each, with, with each topic. And so gospel-centered community, tying it to our mission. Here's our vision. Our vision is to plant churches, change lives. Our, um, you know, there's all this stuff. And so everything ended up being 
excuse me, everything ended up being tied, uh, tied together. So that's, that's essentially, that's kind of how we rolled out. Uh, now with that said, you're not going to see the change overnight with, with rolling it out. And so with the rollout, um, it, it took about five or six weeks for us to roll it out to the church, to have discussions about it. Uh, we started talking about it in groups, um, and let people ask questions. But as a team, we were very clear and precise with this is who we are. This is our values. And this is the direction that we're going. That's good. And I want to clarify one thing. When you say groups, you're talking like small groups, community groups, not like groups of people. Oh, yes. Yeah, you started yeah. at that core community-based aspect of totally. going with groups. Totally. Yeah. Community groups, eight to 12 people. Yeah. No, I think that's good. I think that's uh, a good way to put it the way you explained it, where you didn't just, okay, we defined all these things. Now we're going to tell these leaders and then start preaching about it or however you want to enforce it. Um, you took the effect, which I thought worked really good, where things started just trickling out. You know, I'm obviously going to tell my spouse or whoever. They're going to tell someone else. Uh, you know, word starts to get out. Then we enforce it in groups. You, we did a whole series on it, as you said, called The Creed. Um, and I think that worked out well because it wasn't all of a sudden just a bunch of new rules and new culture in place it kind of just took its toll on its own by you just letting information leak out yeah yeah totally and um and, and I think I think it's been good. I definitely think it's been good. Yeah, because I, re- I mean, I remember that that series in particular where it was, uh, I don't want to say it was a, a difficult conversation, but it was one of those conversations where it wasn't, um, it was focused on the church. Like it was an inside, I guess you could say an inside focused it series where it was, hey guys, this is who we are. This is what we're going to believe. And almost at the same time, casting vision based off the new mission and vision and values that we had. Totally. Most definitely. And, and you know, you even, you even mentioned like it, it was a series that was for the inside of the church. And this is something we can talk about later on. But we whenever you start planning out a strategic preaching calendar, you're going to realize, especially whenever you've got years of data, that there are times where you can talk about certain subjects that are more focused on the church. And then there are times that we would call attractional series that are mm-hmm. more focused on an outsider or a new believer uh, coming to the faith. Uh, and so that was one of those times it was before a growth season that we had mapped out in the church. Uh, and, and so it was like, all right, let's lay this out now during, I think it was the late summer months, uh, mm-hmm. which summer yep. up here so. yeah. is like two days. It feels like, um, yeah, for real. it's so cold outside and it's right now the middle of April, literally yeah. middle of April and it's cold. Yeah. Yeah. We had a uh, frost warnings this morning and almost snow. Yes. It's, it's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's good. So how much time do you think it uh, takes to change the culture, right? So we just redefined it. We did all this stuff. We rolled it out. We did the sermon series. How long did that take? And even so, I don't think you can say it was officially done. How long do you think it takes this this new culture to just set in stone of, of who yeah, we are? Yeah, so um, from start to finish of it being unrolled, us talking about the details to really present things to the church, I would say it was it was right at a 12 month process of us starting the process about nine months behind the, the closed doors, ironing things out. And, and then the rest of that, um, you know, four or five months kind of unrolling it out and then enforcing it in the church. And, and Nathan, you know this, but we, we call our experiences worship experiences, right? Mm-hmm. And so how do you change people's mindset who have been in church and have been in city church for a while, whenever we call them gatherings or services or whatever it may be? It's one of those things you just constantly just have to stay on top of. Um, and, and so I would say even now we are continuously 
monitoring uh, and and making sure that the culture stays true to who we actually are. And and so it's a it's an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing. Oh, process. for sure. Yeah. But but the initial the initial rollout, I would say to to really change organizationally, um, it, it was about a 12 month process to get it out there and to get get parameters laid out. And then even then, you, it's constant going back to it. And I mean, you know, this from leadership meetings, uh, we, we hit on this stuff all the time. This is why we're doing it. This is why we do culture the way that we do culture. This is why, you know, whatever, whatever it may be, we are constantly bringing it back up. And and so this is one of those things, look, if you do, if you don't talk about this, uh, if you say on paper, you've got a church culture and you've got mission, vision, values, all that stuff, and you don't talk about it, it's not going to get celebrated in the church. Yeah. And so we talk about it all the time. Every Sunday it gets brought back up. Uh, literally every Sunday, this is who we are. And so that we are constantly introducing it to new people. And so uh, it's a long process. And it's one of those things you have to be in it for the long haul. Yeah, I think that's good. And right there is, uh, was actually going to go to my next question where you kind of merge uh, the inside and the outside at that point. So you, we had that 12-month span. We defined the culture as the inside. But keeping it reminding it always on a Sunday, whether from the pulpit, whether from team meetings beforehand when we do volunteers to whatever, you're kind of then spreading that culture out to people who are new. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would say we do as City Church uh, that, would, that takes our culture to an outside focus, whether it be through outreach maybe or some other way that you you would say that our culture kind of spreads out into the streets. Yeah, I, I th- so for us, it it really is. We want to be the church that Christ has called us to be through right. Scripture, and so um, one of our one of our things that we have is we try to keep things simple, and and so with that, uh, group community groups are important, and so our community groups are going to end up serving the city and the group comes up with that. So the, so you talk a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I was going to say, I, that's a good point to even think of. I think a lot of the culture um, starts in the group, right? So we have that community aspect, which we're all about. Um, and even so, most of the groups that we see um, is where you'll get that... You get first-time guests on a Sunday, but you also get first-time experiences in a group. And the people, it tends to be the people who come to a group for the first time are the people that have either been in church before or at least get the community aspect of it. So it's a lot easier for them to quickly get engaged in your culture if there's already a group of 10 people already focused on it, already in it. You know, We had people come to our group last week even that um, I've never met before, haven't been in the church before, but their local college students came right in and they immediately knew what we were about because there's already 12 of us in the room who are from the inside who do this culture day in and day out. And I think that's uh, some of the effects that that we try to do as a church is going out in the streets. We're not one person inside the doors, one person outside the doors. It's, you know, how would you advertise your brand if you were a business? How would you do this? It's the same concept where we, we take our culture and not only just make it who the church is, but make it who you are. Yeah. And, and even with, uh, I, I remember one person, uh, we had a leadership meeting at the church for some different local churches, kind of a, uh, an, almost like a networking event. And someone came up and asked Ryan, who's our Rensselaer campus pastor, uh, and the discussion came up. So what do you guys do for outreach? And Ryan was like, well, what do you mean outreach? Like, what do you do for outreach? Like, how do you, you know, what do you do to get the people come in? Do you do feeding programs? Do you? And the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you mean? Like, how do you get the people to come in? We teach our people to be mature disciples. And then they go out in their sphere of influence. They invite their friends and then they 
bring them to church and somewhere in the process, whether it's a worship night, um, like with Josh or whether Mm -hmm. it is, uh, uh, a serving opportunity or whether it's a Sunday or in a group, they end up accepting Christ. And then they, over the course of a 12 month process, will find out that most of them go back out and they invite their friends. And so it's this, it's this ongoing process. And so, um, we're not going to go in our community and do something that is not in our core values. And, and if you're listening, just, just hear me out. If it's not in your core values and if it does not fuel and advance your mission that God has given you, um, don't do it. Don't do it. And and this is one of those things that we've had to say no to some ph- phenomenal opportunities mm-hmm. because it was outside of our sphere of influence that God has given us. Um, and, and with that, it keeps us laser focused on what God has called us to do or hopefully laser focused. And therefore, we can do that well. And I, I do think, uh, now I'm also a little biased, I do think that what we do well we do very well. Um, yeah. We obviously need to improve in some areas, but you know, yeah, of that course, preacher, you know, <laughs> yeah, I know. But no, I think that's good, and I think that's even that's even a recent transition for us, even over the past year or so, where we've yeah. we've focused everything to be like, okay, if it doesn't check these boxes, which is our mission, our vision and our mission, then it's not going to happen. And I think you've you've even seen the growth because people come together because they're not as worn out they're not as you know because we'd have to serve at these events we'd have to put stuff on and i think it's really good because it gets everyone again on the same page they're not questioning why we're doing something they know if city church does this it's because of the the mission and the vision yeah yeah totally and and a, a prime example is we do an event every year called lark fest um and it's it's a it's an event in our immediate community where we get to hang out with the community. We get to be ourselves. We can promote the church, focusing on the outside thing. Um, but then we've also seen, because we've done all the work on the inside, whenever people come up and they start asking questions or they come to church the very next day because it's on a Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, the systems are in place um, because of that. And actually, just a, just a testimony of doing this properly is we have someone who is now on staff at our church who came through a... Uh, community event with the the Lark Street community in, in downtown Albany and who came into the church and um, life has been transformed and her husband's been transformed and now she serves on staff here at the church. And so that really is a prime example of having the systems in place, the assimilation process in place of how someone can come in from the outside and is now someone who's discipling disciples and uh and just growing in her faith both her and her husband just growing in their faith and ultimately leading people who are far from god towards jesus yeah i think that's great i think it's a great example to put it um anything else that you think we should cover in terms of focusing on the inside versus the outside anything yeah i would just say for everyone out there uh there's a lot of practical resources uh and there's a lot of great churches that do this well but be you Mm-hmm. Be who God's called you to be. Uh, I can't be Matt Chandler as much as I love Matt Chandler. Uh, whenever I yell at people, people don't take it seriously. So, um, uh, But seriously, be who God's called you to be and, and understand that there is a level or there is a sphere of grace that God's given you to do what he's called you to do and try your best to not step out of that. And so you be you. Be who God's called you and your church or your organization to be. Don't try to be someone else. That's good. That's really good. Um, so that's going to be it for this week. Uh, you can find us at theinsideoutgroup.org. Uh, if you have any questions or comments for Michael, uh, please contact us through the website or email us at podcast at insideoutgroup.org. You can follow Mike on Twitter and Instagram. Shout out your handle. 
It's, yep, Mike Moore ALB, M I K E M O O R E A L B. Or you can go to therealmikemore.com because I am the real. The real Mike Moore. Yes. Cool. And I think that's all we have for this week. So see you all next week. Thank you.